0: Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People, I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People features interviews with people on either side of sexual health or mental health stigma. We interview professionals in STD prevention, as well as sex education and mental health. We also interview people who are navigating any form of STI stigma directly or facing mental health challenges. Today, my guest is Kelsey, also known as the herpetic goddess on Instagram with a three in the second E, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Yep. Because I tried to type it in. I was looking for you to make sure we were still doing our podcast, and I was like, oh, I'm not spelling it right. Uh, Something's (laughs) wrong. Uh, Yeah, I I reached out to you a little bit earlier, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I hope they're not bailing on me. And then I was like, wait a minute. I have a few things in my calendar today one of them is a date and i have not heard back from this girl yet and i think i'm about to get ghosted i was like i can't handle getting ghosted twice today so i tried to lay down and took a little nap i set my alarm for 11 just in case you hit me up like right at 11 so i'd have been up but i mean we'll see what happens it is what it is
1: my fingers
0: are crossed for you. It's brutal out there. I mean, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If she bails, like, I'm cool because I'm going to go downstairs and make some hamburgers. Like, <laughs> we're supposed to go to lunch. i say say that $30. <laughs> it's the season. Right. So, um, you started an Instagram account, Herpetic Goddess, right? I did,
1: yes.
0: What was your intention in starting this Instagram account?
1: So, I feel... As if I'm a little bit late um, to the game, I started out with a herpes profile back in on Tumblr, back on Herpler. If you're familiar with Herpler, uh, it's actually where Ella Dawson used to have her anonymous Tumblr HSV swag, which like really inspired me. Um, but I finally decided to do it. Um, I kind of was triggered into it with a dating situation, and I it, it just. I'm a very loud person. Um, I'm super liberal. Um, I speak my mind, like I shout it out on social media, and so it, sexual health has obviously become super important to me. And sex education, as I am an educator as well, um, I, it just kind of felt like, like I'm almost thirty, so I feel like. I'm I'm really coming into my own finally. Like, it's taken what? So long. And it just felt like the right time. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Like, I've been talking about doing it for years. And like, now's the time.
0: What's this dating situation that triggered you into this? You got to tell that story.
1: All right. So I was talking to this guy who lived in a different city than me. And uh, we like knew each other through a mutual friend. And he was like, super hot, checked all my boxes, was really kind, and he was in nursing school, and so when we started talking, like, I'm out with my herpes status, like, everyone who knows me knows that about me, because I am very loud about it, um, I am out on it on social media, like, on my personal stuff, I have been for a few years now, you know, so it was, like, out in the open for the whole month that him and I were talking, and so I got a ticket to go out and see him, and we spent this weekend together, and it was fun. Um, I met, like, a bunch of his friends, like, 25 friends. I went to my first concert post-pandemic, so it was, like, kind of an overwhelming weekend, just, like, socially. Um, We were intimate, and it was okay. Um, (laughs) He definitely, like, didn't perform oral sex on me, which is something that I have like set up a boundary for myself that like I won't hook up with anyone that's like not comfortable with that but I like made an exception for this guy because like he checked off all these boxes right and I was like oh like you know, he just needs time. He he, he told me, I just need time. Like, it's new to me. I just need time, right? So, I was like, okay. So, whatever. So, we go. We have this weekend. It's fine. I come back home and, you know, he's like, I miss you, la, la, la. But then, like, a couple of days, like, after I'd gone home, it's just like, really quiet, super distant. He's, like, not talking to me anymore, and so I'm, like, dude, what's up? Like, why, what What, what changed, you know? And he's, like, oh, nothing. Like, you're being crazy. It's too soon for that, and I was, like, I just came out to, like, visit you, and you were texting me all day, every day before that, and then I come home after we've had sex, and you're not texting anymore? Like, come on. That's not crazy. Like, it's just me being, like, yo, what's good, and, um, yeah, so basically, he, like, gaslit me and was just, like, I'm just busy like I'm just busy whatever and then come th- a week later he's like yeah you're right like I was being weird um, I'm just really not comfortable with the herpes thing this is a nurse and I was like are you serious like you literally could have told me this before we had sex before I came out to visit you like before all of these things and it's not like I didn't give him resources either like I gave him videos whatever. You know what I mean? And he didn't, did he listen to the podcast that I recommended to him? No. And so, yeah, I was pissed. Like I was re- and I hadn't been intimate with anyone in a long time and like, or like just even dating. And so after that happened, I was like, you know what? Like, screw this. Like I'm, I'm here to educate these men because it's just, it's not, and you know, the sad thing is it's not the first time that's happened to me, but yeah, just like really pissed me off because he too was like, "I'm such a good guy, I'm such a good guy," but then like treated me that way, and I was like,
0: "No." I should have talked to you. Talk <laughs> I should have talked to you about two weeks ago because what you just described is the same thing only down the street instead of like bucking a flight out somewhere else. And this situation was like, it was a yes. And then it was a no, but it didn't take a week. It took like six hours. (laughs) Like they had gone home and done some Googling themselves and were just fucking like not okay about the fact that they might have herpes. And in hindsight now, because it's only happened twice. There was one instance where someone wasn't okay going down on me or just like didn't. And it was like a, huh. It wasn't a pattern yet for me to realize that, but that happened. And then a very similar situation to what you just explained happened to me. And I was like, Oh, this is something that I need to pay attention to moving forward for sure. Um, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: sorry. I just want to say the story gets better with mine because he actually like was freaking out that he had herpes and he went to the doctor. And so we, we like ended badly. Right. I was like, fuck you and he went to, he i guess he went to the doctor and he texted me he was like well i have it so thanks and i was like hold on you have herpes you have hsv1 and he was like yeah and i was like okay did she swab a sore or did you get a blood test he was like blood test and then and i was like okay so you've literally had it forever since your childhood probably and we could have not used condoms at all like what do you why are you texting me dude and he was like yeah he basically was like yeah the doctor said exactly what you said about testing and blood and I was just like dude get and then he like wanted me to like comfort him and I was like no I'm not like your herpes friend now like you don't get to come to me and be like oh do I disclose do I do this do I like no dude like
0: so wait he didn't come to you and like try and get a another hangout it was just I need consoling
1: yeah it was like I need consoling it was first like oh I'm gonna blame you but then like I was like no no like scientifically that's not how this is gonna go down and then yeah and then he was like I'm upset blah 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 what do I do and like my sympathy at that point was just like no like you don't get that from me. you don't get to like use me and then discard me and then come back when
0: you need something from me you know oh fuck that's uh, that's that's hitting hard <laughs> <laughs> um that that Do you have any other like red flags for whether or not someone genuinely is a yes, but you also said you haven't dated. So I don't, I don't know. Like how has your dating experience been in terms of, all right, who's really okay with me having herpes and this situation obviously being a demonstration of who's not okay with it?
1: So I have dated. It's just been like a six months hiatus basically. Um, until that guy. So I know six months is like, not that long, but for me it is, (laughs) I'm like the quote unquote boy crazy. That's what my friends call me. Um, it's really, the problem with it is it's really, really hard to tell when that is a thing. And like the first time that happened to me, I had gone out with this guy three times and we had sex on the first date. And I did a disclosure, like, in the heat of the moment, which I really don't like to do because of that, you know, and it was just, like, it just happened so fast, and whatever, and then the next day, I, you know, I t- gave him all these resources, and he was like, yeah, I still want to hang out, and, like, we vibed, like, I, w- I was definitely getting, like, we both liked each other and were, like, interested in, like, actually growing it, it wasn't just, like, a, like, 20, mid-20s, like, fuck session, it was, like, we were trying to see if we could go somewhere, and, like, my feelings were that we could um but yeah it turns out no and he was like a really big dick about it like he wasn't nice to me about it ended up apologizing weeks later but the red flags in that situation was like anytime we were intimate like he was it was like very obvious that he was like afraid to like touch me or like touch my body so like those were signs that I kind of just like you know kind of chose to ignore and I guess I was like I wanted to be ignorant of them like because you just hope that people are going to like unlearn the stigma, right? You're like, maybe I'll be the one, you know? And it's just, it's really hard to tell. And it's really hard to tell when people are like, yeah, I'm super down, super cool with it. But then they aren't after the fact.
0: Yeah. And measuring consistency is probably the best metric that I would have. But sometimes we do end up in the heat of the moment or we're so excited as the people who are supposedly responsible for initiating this conversation around sexual health like shit just happens sometimes so what i've learned in my dating experience is to make space for that consistency to be tested when people say they want one thing but they're in situations that don't line up with those values and they're completely oblivious to the fact that they've got these uh contradictions in their life That tells me that you're someone who is inconsistent with certain things, not to say like because I'm also torn because with where we are uh, post me Too, the initial um, the initial like surge of the Me Too movement. There was so much going around about believing women and not just in the sense of believing women when they've been assaulted, but believe women like the joke about women not being able to decide what they want to eat. Right. Like believe me when I tell you this is what I want and experiences where I've been with partners and I've been like, hey, what do you want? And they're like, I don't know. You pick for me, like having these contradictory challenges and still uh, like having to trust. Like at whatever scale what a person is telling you, especially with women having been like um, spoken for, spoken over and not being heard at all. So it's really challenging for me to regardless of what the undercurrent of the signs are, it's hard for me to bypass those things or push them down or ignore them. And only listen to what's being said because of this particular situation. It's like signs were there, but then there was a part of me that was like, nope, believe women. Like you you know better. You can't be an itch on my chest out here, like advocating for allyship and shit, and then not practicing what you preach. So here I am practicing what I preach, and then like fucking within ten hours of that sexual encounter, it's like, uh, I actually didn't mean what I said to you. The whole like for
1: me intellectually it's really hard for me to like not it's you know as allies we're supposed to be like it's cool if you don't accept me because of herpes right like it's your choice but like to me it's like okay you it, like i start to judge people and i'm like you just have the inability to like unlearn this cultural messaging because of logic and like Especially in today's day and age, I use logic in like my reasoning and my arguments, and you know I'm a librarian, so like using evidence to support my my statement, you know. But like those things don't matter if those people's beliefs like reject this unlearning, right? So like I can use all the science and evidence and proof in the world, but it's not going to matter if that person's stuck in their beliefs and they're unwilling to take away that layer. So then I get caught in this thing where I'm like, well, they're just willing to, un- they're unwilling to unlearn, you know? And then I'm like, well, that's not fair, but is it? it's not fair to us either. And so I actually had, a lot of my friends had just recently shared my Instagram, which I'm super grateful for but one of them in particular got a few responses back to her that were just so bad. Like one of them was a, a person that they had hooked up with before and they go, do you have herpes? to, to, to my friend for sharing my profile. And she's like, no, I'm just supporting my friend, you know? And then there was another one who was also in the um, medical field. She's they're a PA, and they were like, yeah, well, everyone just, like, everyone has it so common, so, like, I don't really think it's that interesting or cool of her to do, and I was saying to my friend, I was like, that's also a super invalidating thing to say to someone, like, oh, well, it's so common, so why do you have to be so loud about it, because it it ignores all of the stigma that we face, like, okay, you get that it's common, great, but you also don't understand the stigma that and and chain people undergo by their peers and by cultural messaging and by pop culture you know what i mean like all of these things so i was like i was like damn it just kind of made me feel like well i guess this is why i make this profile for these people because they need to learn
0: yeah and it's not even a hundred percent about people needing to learn it's also about the people who the content is for being people who are navigating hsv diagnosis understanding what this actually means yes having herpes more so means you need to manage your symptoms take care of your body if you have any symptoms that are showing there are steps that you have to take for yourself but it's also a matter of bringing you back into your body and bringing you into your mind Um, I had a conversation actually an hour before our podcast with Adriel Dale, who founded the Herpes Opportunity. And one of the things that came up in our conversation was how if it wasn't herpes, that uh, it's not really about the herpes that challenges our identity. It's something that's always been there. And then once we receive a diagnosis, it brings that something to surface. For me, it was my... Um, relationship to rejection and how I avoid rejection at all costs arguably the creation of this podcast because it's out there my face is out there so if you're someone who's not okay with me having herpes you'll just distance yourself and if you are then you already know what it is and you creep your way under the radar through the filter and bam connection And I was very challenged with that situation that was very similar to yours because someone made it through the filter and I was like, oh, cool. I don't have to worry about rejection only to have experienced it, you know, hours later. Right. So I say all of that to ask you, you know, for you, has herpes brought to or brought your attention to something that might have always been there?
1: For sure. And like the way that I got herpes itself was like it was a trauma. Right. So it's been difficult to separate like herpes from that trauma. Right. To like separate that like herpes is it's okay, Like it's okay to have it. Right. Like when you first get it, you're like I I was suicidal for sure. So um, what it brought to light for me is a lot, definitely a lot of rejection. But for me specifically, it's fear of abandonment. And I think the hardest part about it, like you said, is like someone comes in under the radar, right? Like they get through. And what hurts for me is like, if you reject me right away because I have herpes, like, boom, okay, it's herpes, right? But if you get to know me, have sex with me, and then reject me because of herpes, it's like all of my good qualities don't matter still like there's still the herpes outweighs all of this good stuff about me right so then it's like well then I look like oh well what's wrong with me the person right instead of you know I think a, a big mantra of mine this past two years has been like look inward at yourself when there's conflict look look inside yourself instead of like pointing the blame or pointing others but that also can be challenging in that situation, because then you're like, well, what's wrong with me, and all of this this negative self-talk happens, so for me, it's, like, the abandonment, it's the rejection, but it's also, like, I think um, one of my core beliefs is, like, insecurity, so, like, I've always been insecure, like, a, as an insecure person, just, like, from childhood, and I, I go to therapy, like, I love it, it's made me realize a lot of things about myself, but the herpes, like, without herpes, my self-value um, would not be there where it is, like, I would be way more insecure than I than I am now if I didn't have it, if that makes
0: sense. No, that does make sense. And let's speak to that a little bit more. Uh, when you said the weight of your personality, who you are, your identity, uh, is insignificant in the grand scheme of the sexual encounter or the uh, potential reach or expansion of the sexual encounter that can take place. Someone invests in you. They take the time to get to know you. And I believe that it's okay for you to not want herpes. That is perfectly fine if I like I didn't want herpes before I got it and here I am, you know. Now like I want for people to know if you're someone who doesn't have herpes and you're listening to this, it's okay for you to have your feelings about not wanting herpes. What's not okay is the invalidation of the entirety of a person and at the expense of the fact that they are unable to provide you with whatever it is that your selfish need is. If you have that need of sexual contact and you want it to be risk-free and you want it to not have any potential long-term impact on your day-to-day life, like having to have conversations with a partner about your sexual health, then that That's just something that perhaps needs to be disclosed right away. You know, people will disclose immediately, oh, I don't want children or I don't want kids with you or I don't want to be married or I'm on this end of the political spectrum or I believe in these things. Being able to disclose those things up front also offers the other person an opportunity to say to themselves, all right, well, that's the extent of this interaction and I'm looking for something that goes a little bit beyond that
1: what's frustrating I think for me is the people who are quick to discard you because of herpes or whatever reject you whatever it may be is oftentimes like they don't know their HSV status like that guy for example right so he was like all worked up about it and like turns out he had a he possibly has HSV already in his system, right, from years and years, and so it's, like, you're so judgy to me, and you reject all of these good things about me because of this one thing, when, like, you really don't know your own status, and so it, it, that that part of that, like, sort of hypocrisy to me is really, it's a challenge for me to see, because, like, you're right, it is okay to, like, not want her bees. I get it. But when you look at the numbers, it's like you're more likely to have it than you are not to have it, right? But it's this this negative stigma associated with people that have it, um, and like the herpes virus family, like scientifically is fascinating. Like it's very, it's a very smart virus and has been with us for millions and millions of years, and yeah i don't know something that ella dawson said she said something along the lines of like it's not like it shouldn't be like cool or brave to like come out as with a herpes status like nowadays but like we're not there yet you know
0: yeah uh and there's something to be said too for a person coming out of or i don't want to say coming out that that belongs to the lgbt community but opening up um being loud about their herpes status. I don't necessarily consider myself like, regardless of what people say, they're like, Courtney, you're so brave. You're so brave. And it's not bravery. It's privilege. Like it's a hundred percent privilege. I okay. am not someone who has my income tied to, um uh, my ability to be vocal about something so stigmatized. So how I eat isn't negatively affected, Um, My social circles Like I now Have more so involved myself uh, With very sex positive peers I'm now a part of The sex education community Like these are the people that I enjoy conversations with And now even like with dating I find that People who don't have herpes, who are more receptive to my herpes status or who know how to date someone who has herpes or how to be intimate with someone who has herpes and navigate the dialogue are also people who have more of an understanding, acceptance or um, um, experiences with mental health and just navigating sex positivity, period. So I find that my dating circle consistently is I'm figuring out who's sex positive. I'm figuring out who's involved with uh, or understanding of the mental health space, who's seeing a therapist because these are the people that you have more transparent communication with these are people who are more willing to be vulnerable from a mental health space like if you're seeing a therapist and you know the value of vulnerability and dialogue you tend to see people and communicate the intangible stuff a lot sooner when you're sex positive you have more dialogue around the physical aspects and there's so much more to be done and said when we're talking about ways to be intimate with one another and still not Uh, put yourself at risk for getting herpes like look at kink bdsm look at mutual masturbation there's sex toys there's oral there's barriers there are all kinds of ways to have sex and the expansiveness of what that looks like can be explored with someone who is more sex positive or who is able to be open-minded enough to have the communication skills necessary to talk about what a relationship or an interaction can look like
1: well and just talking about sex in general for people is really hard i mean at least in my experience like just in the united states like sex is a taboo topic to a lot of people still and so you talk about the orgasm gap, you talk about like the clitoris, right? And how, you know, the running joke is like, no one knows where the clitoris is and, and all of these things. And yeah, you have to, like, there's an audience for that, to be honest. Like I am out about, I shouldn't say that. I am open about my herpes status to like my family and stuff. Like they all know, but like haven't like gone and been like hey look at my instagram you know what i mean because it's like they're of a different generation and and they're not super sex positive like me and so um and it's good for them obviously to like learn these things and and be open and to listen but when it's your family it's like a whole other i don't know it's a whole other ball game so like even um like being open about it on Instagram has just been interesting because like I share it on my personal page and like I follow you know I live in my hometown like all these people from my hometown know and then you get worried about like oh well you know what what will they say about me but to a certain point it's like I don't care about that like I want I my purpose is to like elevate people's minds and and to be open and to like close that orgasm gap, you know, <laughs> like, so it's, like, the, for me, like, the, the benefits outweigh the negatives, but, like, you still, you still always have those, um, or at least I always have those kind of thoughts, um, and then I wanted to mention something else, too, like, we've been talking about how, you know, there's, like, red flags, and do you see them, do you choose to see them, or ignore them, but, like, on the converse side, I've, I've also found that, people who accept the HSV doesn't necessarily make them a wonderful human and that doesn't make mean that they're going to treat you right in a relationship or they want the same things you do or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's like, I always used to say like, oh, like the rapid fire disclosure on my dating profile weeds people out, weeds out the week, you know, so I don't have to feel the rejection and I can just like move on with someone who at least were a foundational, foundationally agreed upon this one thing, Right. And then you get the people that are like yeah i don't care but then they're still not like the, the men that i've dated generally like overall my experiences like they've done plenty of horrible things accepting of herpes regardless you know what i mean like just because they've accepted me doesn't mean that they're going to be what you want or expect or, or are desiring from them
0: mm-hmm. when you talk about disclosing your hsv status i'm curious to know you said you're in therapy and your herpes status is tied to the trauma of abandonment issues do you speak to your abandonment issues or do you have anything in place that protects you or do you even communicate that you have uh, any challenges with abandonment at all to partners
1: definitely do like once we get to know each other like it's not that's not on my profile for sure but like yeah I, I definitely speak about I think it's really I personally am on the team that I think it's really important to learn your future partners or whoever you're dating their past with relationships because that's they like you take those things with you you take lessons and certain things are gonna you're gonna be more sensitive to than others so yeah I definitely always I, I'm almost like vulnerable to a fall, right? Like, I'm like, here, take all of my, like, this is all of my emotions and information that you could ever possibly want. And then I'm like, sad when I don't get that back. Right. Because I like overgive.
0: Yeah. Um, in that overgive and the connectedness through the vulnerability that you share, um, What have been some of the responses that you've gotten outside of like, shit, I don't care. Like, what's the underlying theme with that? All right, I don't care. Is there any sort of an emotion attached to that? Is it just a sense of excitement? Like, oh, I'm just I'm just happy to be getting laid. Or how does that make you feel when someone's just like, all right, I don't care. I don't give a shit.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, because it definitely depends. So I think with the, well, at least with the rapid fire disclosures, a lot of them, a lot of people will be like, hey, I have it too, you know, and I'm like, awesome. So we just get it out of the way. Like, it's not even like anything. It's not even a conversation at that point, because it's like, sweet, let's go, you know, let's meet, whatever. Um, I'm not going to lie. And like, to everyone who's listening, like, I am a CIS, like, exist in white space woman. So like, I date men right? So, I'm not going to lie, like, sometimes when, you know, I'm, like, seeing someone, and maybe we're, like, getting intimate, or kissing, or whatever, and they're, like, yeah, I don't care, blah, 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 like, it definitely, like, to me, I'm, like, well, like, should you care? Like, should you be, like, so down? Like, what does this mean for you? What's your past experience? And, like, I definitely am the type of person that's, like, yo, when was your last STI test? Like, that is a, an important conversation to have to me. Has it happened every single time that I've hooked up with someone? Definitely not. You know, like you live and you learn. I think as you get older, it's easier to have that talk, but like they don't ask, they don't teach you to, to ask that, right? And like you don't see it in pop culture, you don't see it in books. Like it's not a thing. And everyone, you know, my friends were always like, well, it's just so awkward. It's so weird. I'm like, well, you know what's more awkward is having to text someone and be like, hey, did you give me like, xyz sti because i just got a positive diagnosis like what's more awkward
0: right in (sighs) my most recent dating experiences i find that i do have to disclose a lot sooner than i'm ever ready to um it's really cool to me to meet somebody on a dating app or in real life have a connection talk for a bit and then go into the like for me it's what brought you to portland or what do you do for work? And then I'm like, hmm, how can I creatively say this in a way that, you know, we can go into that conversation later. But I always find myself going into, yeah, I work in sex education or mental health, sexual health, STD prevention. I use these kinds of words and it never fails. hundred percent of the time I get, how'd you get into that? And then I got to go into the backstory, right? <laughs> so uh, nothing yeah. feels better than when I disclose that way and then they someone's like oh that's really cool or I have that's when they take it as an opportunity to disclose as well if they have herpes too and that's been really common for me and not not to say like I don't know if these people follow me on social media already but it's been a common engagement to after I disclose in that way which is far sooner than I want to uh, to have have it received in this way as opposed to Me sharing on my dating profile, I have herpes only to be matched with because we both have herpes, right? There's not really any other solid foundation there. Like you can see me and be like, oh, well, he's mildly attractive or he's kind of, oh my God, he has herpes too. Right swipe. Like that has been something that I've sensed before a few times and it just doesn't feel good. Like to me, that's almost the same thing as rejection because the other person like, if if you're looking like if we just want to hook up like there's apps for sure for that exclusively. So putting that in your profile contextually like all right, I'm just trying to bang and hang. Right. Uh-huh. All right. So this makes it easy because this is what we want from one another. When that incompatibility isn't there. Then I think that there tends to be a little bit more pressure on the person who does have herpes, who's going into spaces where not everyone is aware of their status or they're not uh, they're They may be negative or they may not have had experience with someone disclosing to them like that. That pressure is on because even if they're OK with it, you still have to like we talked about earlier, like you have to, A, trust that they are really okay with it. And then two, you have to kind of like, all right, well, based on my history, people who just respond this way aren't actually okay with it. So here we go. I'm gonna kind of hesitantly go into this interaction. We're gonna wear condoms and I'm gonna tell you if we shouldn't have sex and maybe I'll get oral sex. And there's just a lot of that that weighs in the background outside of just being able to match with someone who also has herpes because now bam the sex the physical act of sex is going to be so much more carefree but what's being overlooked at the expense of that right like i was hooking up with somebody i later found out was like hardcore conservative and i was like i would have never fucking known, and i didn't even think to ask because we were just hooking up and the sex was so great so i guess like there's that but at the same time, like, when do we, when, what? what's like the happy medium of looking at sexual compatibility, not just exclusively with herpes, but also the compatibilities outside of that so that it's not just all weighing on one thing or the other so that we can have a whole connection.
1: Yeah, no, I bring up like so many good points and 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 i think that's like part of the biggest challenge because you're right like there definitely are so i i just use hinge right now like i've used other apps but that's like the only one i'm on and because like it's more it's for more serious relationships which like i don't really think that's how it is anymore maybe that's what they try to do but yeah like definitely guys will like my profile and be like oh I have it too but I'll look at their profile and be like okay like we're not compatible based off of these couple of things so I feel like now me as the HSV positive person is more able to sift through those kinds of likes I mean at least I think but like I've never seen a I've never seen a guy on a dating app disclose their herpes status Personally, like I've never seen it, you know? So I've never had that where I like see that and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna like this person just based off of that. Ooh. But yeah that's I feel
0: like I need me. to I feel like I need to do an experiment now. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on there and see what happens. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that for a little bit of time. But I do have more fun just disclosing. Like, um I had a shit, a couple of disclosures actually. Um, recently where I'm just like, yeah, you know, this is what I do. I've had herpes for eight years there has been a situation and no one's been like negative or mean about it. If they don't also have it, there's like, oh, well, I've dated someone who has herpes before. Like I just tell me when you're having an outbreak. All right, we'll just wear condoms. All right, well how else can we be with each other? So lately again, just now that I'm filtering in more sex positive people, the conversation has shifted significantly to be more so around this like whole conversation. All right, well, you know, what else do we have in common because this is going so well? All right, yeah, you have herpes. That's not a negative. I just know now that you know how to communicate with me about sex.
1: Yeah, and it does open up, like, so many possibilities, like, when you do have that conversation. Um, I think part of the reason why I don't disclose, like, later on, um, and you had kind of, like, talked about this on on H on my chest with, like, is it just a fear of rejection that you rapid-fire disclosure? Like, for me, yeah, I think so, in a way, because, I don't want to get to know somebody and like go on five dates with them and then have that super disappointing moment, you know? So for me, it's kind of like politics. Like you were saying, like, um, believe it or not, like I dated a very conservative man for like six months. I don't know how I did it. Um, it didn't work out obviously, but like, because we have these like super foundational differences. So and, and like they weren't clear at first. Right. So we started to have sex and it was super amazing. And we were like old friends. And so we made the connection first. We're like, okay, we're into each other. And then we kind of started to unravel like, oh my God, we have really, really, really different opinions on things. And so like it crashed and burned, right? Like it didn't work out because like foundationally there's just no way if you're not on the same level. And and that's kind of in a way how I view the HSB thing, because it's like, you know, you know, like there's just to me, like there's nothing more attractive than when a guy's like, hell yeah, like I'm down to go down on you because of all of the times when there's been that hesitation and that like, ugh. Because it makes you you feel bad. It makes me feel bad about my body. Like particularly, like I I think women definitely feel like that insecurity like more so, just based off of like culture, you know, and like like the way we talk about and view sex and stuff. It's like oh you don't like it's like oh you don't want to touch me like it's so like, it makes you feel so bad. So I'm like, Oh, that's so attractive. You know, when someone is immediately like, yeah, like let's you know, like let's get down and dirty. Like it doesn't bother me. So I'm like, yeah. And then there's like that red flag where I'm like, wait, when's the last time you were tested though? You know? And then it's like, wait. And it's just, it's really like, it's super complicated. And it's silly because like, I don't feel like it should be like it, because it's so common but it's just, we're just, like I said, we're just not there yet. And like being like it being such a common virus, it it really just goes back to like the history of like sex and, and, and sex ed. Like I've been reading, um, no magic bullet by Alan Brandt. Have you read that? It's old. It's from the eighties. Um, it's basically his like dissertation. It's the history of venereal disease from the eighteen eighties in the United States. And like, it like, uh, the United States started to care about STIs. His history says because women were starting to become infertile because of gonorrhea and chlamydia infections. And then like syphilis was like causing children to be born blind. Right. So like then they were like, oh my god. We need to we need to stop this horrible like sinful behavior. So like it's very much rooted in uh, sex negative ideology and like patriarchal values. So like it just it's all so connected and it's just so interesting because like I don't know about you but like I've had plenty of friends who've gotten chlamydia and gonorrhea throughout their lives and like oh they go to the doctor they get a pill they get a shot boom it's over and no one thinks twice about stigmatizing them right. But then we are so stigmatized, and like our virus is actually much less um, harmful. Like it's not going to make you infertile. It's like, if anything, it's like a cold. It's a nuisance, and so it's just super interesting because we live in a time of antibiotics. <laughs> and so, like, if like imagine if we lived in a world where they still couldn't treat gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis with medicine, you know, like, and they were chronic conditions like herpes, like. It would be a different conversation we'd be having about sex.
0: Yes, so much of a different conversation. Uh, It would be really interesting to see what one consistent test looks like. If everyone knew that they were being tested annually whenever they go in for their STI screening. So that we have a solid baseline because there are so many different tests to take. There's so many different responses that you can get. You test over a certain amount of antibodies. That means you're positive. But a presence of antibodies doesn't mean you're positive, which like it it doesn't clearly make sense and articulate anything. And then we've got the misinformation about uh hsv2 being only genital hsv1 being only oral and that's not the case it's hsv2 is primarily genital and can in, in rare cases be orally transmitted and then type 1 is commonly or orally but can be uh genitally transmitted You look so like say, i actually uh, have a
1: good anecdote about just that topic um in november like a couple of weeks ago, I went to Planned Parenthood doing my due diligence to get my STI tested because I just like to do it every six months. Um, and I love Planned Parenthood. I am will always support them, like ride or die. <laughs> but I had, a, I had a not pleasant experience because the nurse that checked me in was like going over my medical history and she was like, have you ever had STI before? And I was like, oh, yeah, I have HSV-1. And she was like, well, everyone has that, like, I don't really count it. And I was like, yeah, I know, but, like, it's genital, so that's why I say it. And she was like, oh, so you have HSV-2. And I was like, no, no, I have HSV-1. And she's like, well, no, HSV-2 is genital. And I was like, yeah, you can get HSV-1. Like, I was like, we started to argue about it. And then she was like, fine, and, like, got snooty and, like, left the room And so after my exam with the MP, I was like, so did the nurse mention what happened about the HSV thing? And she was like, yeah, yeah, and like goes on and starts explaining just what you said. HSV1 can be transmitted orally or genitally. HSV2 not as likely to be oral, but like can be. And I was like sitting there and I was like, yeah, yeah, like I know all that. I was like, I just want to make sure the nurse knows that next time because it was so invalidating to have a nurse telling me that, like I, I was like, "Girl, I've had this for eight years. Like, I've had plenty of tests, swab tests, blood tests. Like, like you're wrong, and like you can't, you can't say that to people. You know what I mean? So it was like another one of those situations that's really frustrating when it is like the medical community, yeah. and 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 that's why like the work that you're doing is so important because like they. Clearly, the nursing school that this guy went to in California didn't uh, teach them about herpes and uh, clearly this other (laughs) nurse's school didn't do it either so it's like it really needs to be a conversation in the medical field as well and I feel so grateful that my OB was like such a nice woman and so supportive and like so like it's okay honey like herpes isn't a big deal you'll see you know like but I know that that is not everyone's experience
0: yeah yeah And uh, with being here, I consistently see that we are the experts of our lived experiences. We're the ones who have to educate partners. We're the ones who have to educate media. We have to educate the healthcare community because the information that they have, the information that's out there that's so easily attainable is created by people who might not have herpes or any idea what it's like to live with it so when i do these polls i do these surveys i share these stories and experiences i do so with the intention of empowering people to understand that we are the resource we have to be able to come together and come to one another and i'm sure there are scientists and researchers who have herpes who are just so shameful and stigmatized that they aren't willing to Lend out their resources in fear of potentially outing themselves in order for us to get more representation in our information, more accurate information, testing done to actually look at the transmission rates of different types of partners, not just penis to vulva owners, but also vulva to vulva, vulva, or uh, if two people with penises are having sex? What about group sex scenarios? Not just condoms, but also dental dams and whatever other forms of barriers they are. What if we are looking at the transmission rates of the utilization of sex toys? What about anal transmission? What about oral transmission? There are all of these things to discover and explore that we just don't have access to. And it's, it's kind of like a, um, it's, it's a cycle. The cycle being we won't speak up because we're stigmatized and we're too stigmatized to speak up. I think I said that backwards. Hold on.
1: Uh-huh.
0: All right.
1: <laughs> it makes no, I'm like, I yes, like we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't
0: speak mm-hmm. up
1: is kind of how it feels a lot of the time and it's so true like there's so much missing information like what you you said it so nicely like all the transmission it should be easy to google it right like you should just be able to google transmission rates and have it be like in a nice little table for everyone to see but it's not it is like very convoluted and yeah like i don't know it's so much it's so much it's the medical field really does need
0: to step up like so it's, it's not re- it's not just the medical field though it's those of us who are like secretly existing in the medical field who have herpes and don't want to call out peers it's like y'all are the ones that make the most impact like i'm gonna do it with a podcast everyone who comes here they find me because they're looking for this And Uh they need support The people who are living Who never have any reason to look for this podcast This resource to know who I am Is because they're living their lives Normally with herpes And it's not an issue And they're taking care of their mental health They have their families They have their occupations They have no reason to be a part of this podcast To be a part of this community Because they just don't need to But those are the people that we need to be willing to put themselves in a vulnerable position and be like, "Hey, like I'm someone who has herpes, or I'm someone with access to resources that can benefit people who are living with herpes." Here, let me make this connection without fear of being outed about my condition. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's it's true because, like, I you know, just over the years, I've had I've had HSV for eight years as well, almost nine, and like I have had so many people be like hey can my friend contact you like they just were diagnosed and they have nowhere to go you know and i know you've done that too and it like it makes me feel great when I can, like, help somebody, like, you know, like, I, I don't want you to feel, like, suicidal, and, like, your damaged goods, and, like, all of these things, but, yeah, like, is a doctor gonna be, like, oh, I have this really great podcast for you to listen to, you were just diagnosed, like, go check this out, like, that should be the front line, right, like, like that's what needs to be out there, and it's, like, Um, You know, it's like slowly, slowly changing. Like, Ina Park, MD on Instagram, I absolutely love her. I'm like, have her book to read over winter break. I've like, kind of waited because I know I'm just gonna like devour it in like a day, you know? But um, I'm hopeful. Like, I'm hopeful for the herpes future, but also, you know, will we see the end of stigma in our lifetimes? Like, I really don't know because the way our society views and discusses sex and not just not just our society like if you think about it like the united states is like pretty far forward in terms of like sexual um progression i would say like if if you're comparing it to like heavily muslim countries or you know communities that are really heavily religious right because they have these differing values so like we are in a space where it's like okay we're going to forge forward and we're going to keep on making strides but like the rest of the world is not necessarily going to be on that for a long time, for, for years, for centuries, like who knows, you know? So it's like, this is like the very beginning, hopefully Gen Z like does us well.
0: (laughs) I think they are the more young people that I come into contact with, like between 20 and 25, these are typically women who are, speaking up and taking care of their sexual health and unfortunately just like with everything else educating their male sexual partners to do more research and ask these questions Um, and a lot of the guys that I hear from that are within that age range these are people who are looking for how to be with a partner who has herpes so it's really nice to see that this younger generation is being more vocal about it but again you know the more like oh, well, you know, this isn't a big deal. Like, I just talk about sex. Herpes is what it is. Like, there's no reason to address stigma because in your day-to-day life, it isn't impacting you because you're someone who is willing to and able to uh, speak confidently around sexual health communication, mental health communication as a whole. Having those conversations about boundaries, relationship management, consent, your turn-ons, what your traumas may be, and a willingness and knowledge to seek out and receive support from wherever you need that support from, that's what younger generations are doing. They are more, uh, they've been molded, so to speak, to be empowered in their communication style overall. Whereas the older generations may not have, A, had access to the same resources that we have access to, B, maybe not have seen themselves represented in media spaces, and then C, just like the stigma has been more prevalent for them. So looking at it generationally, those who came before didn't have and ella dawson a safe slut a positively positive podcast a positive results an instagram a herpes goddess or something positive for positive people they didn't have these resources we do and we found them as we started doing our own thing and now people who are coming up are able to find them without having to put themselves out there at all in order to be found so we're making strides for sure And the destigmatization of herpes is not going to be a collective one day we look up and this shit's gone. It's going to be for the individual who is impacted by stigma to the point of not wanting to disclose, not wanting to speak to their doctor about it, not wanting to seek mental health help or support because they're struggling with their mental health and suicide ideation. When these people are able to get the stigma within them dissolved. That's what the end of stigma looks like. It's on a totally. person by person basis.
1: So I actually have someone close to me, very close to me that, um, was dating a person for like six months, you know, and they were sexually intimate and everything. And like six months came and got, went and then they disclosed to the person that I'm close with. And, Luckily for that, for the person who disclosed, like this person has experience with HSV, and so they weren't really mad about that. They were mad about the the lying and the hiding. And my response, I was like, you know, you really need to give this person a break because it just shows that they have not accepted themselves and they are so filled with all of this shame. Like they were, it's not about hiding it from you. They're literally hiding it from themselves. And they were like, it, you know, I think it gave them some really good perspective to go with. Um, something that I, wa- I meant to say when you were talking about the LGBTQ research, and I totally lost my train of thought, was like, that's where the research should be focused instead of like, I, I you know, I, I'm i not on Facebook anymore, but I used to be. I used to be part of a, a anonymous group called Glitter Girls United, and it was HSV-positive women. And there was always like a thread here and there about like herpes vaccines. And like to me, I'm like no, like, don't do research on that. Do research on this other stuff. Like, we don't need a herpes vaccine. Like, it's literally lived with us for millions of years, you know? Like, I just feel like research would be better intended to deal with the the transmissions and, like, this lacking of information that, you know, how does HSV affect marginalized communities, people of color? Like, we need these stats. Like, her- the fact that the herpes virus lives in your nervous system makes it a difficult virus to create a vaccine for so like for me i would rather see that the you know this lacking this gap in research i'd rather see that created as opposed to a vaccine for something that like 67 percent of the globe has right Hmm.
0: um i have just one more question for you we only have three minutes until the recording's gonna stop i didn't realize how fast time was going by talking to you but uh in relation to your experience you said you were suicidal after your diagnosis i ask every guest on here what comes to mind when they hear sexual health is mental health and given your experience are you able to speak to that within like three minutes of like your battle with suicide ideation after your diagnosis
1: For sure. Um, I mean, I've always struggled with depression and anxiety. Um, I think that if I had gone to therapy, as soon as I had gotten diagnosed with HSV, my path of healing would have been much faster. But it took me like six or seven years to hit up a therapist. And you know, I didn't even hit them up for herpes specifically, it was actually from the trauma that happened with the person that gave it to me, right? So like, at this point in life, I've separated that from the virus itself. Um, I think When you say sexual health is mental health, it's because it's about taking autonomy of your body, about owning your body, feeling empowered to protect your body and your mind. And and by doing that, by asking someone when's the last time you've been tested, by having those conversations, you're taking care of yourself. Like it is self-care to do those things. And they don't teach you that in school. And so when you're diagnosed, you know, your whole worldview, I'm a terrible person, Uh, you know, I'm, I'm dirty, I'm damaged, like, even the language, like, oh, I got my STI results back, I'm clean, like, that is an issue for many of us, right, in the community, um, because it automatically signifies that, like, someone who's not is dirty, and so you really have to value, you have to learn how to value yourself, Um, and if you don't have those skills already, like, it's really hard. And if you don't have a support group, if you just live with that secret and shame and you don't tell anyone, like, it's going to be really, really hard. So sexual health being mental health is like, talk, talk about it. Talk about your feelings. Talk about your body and what you want and what you need and what you're scared of. And, and like, I didn't kill myself because I had a best friend there with me didn't have herpes but who still loved me and made sure that I was okay you know and so having that support system having resources like the SFPP sorry I messed up the S what is it SPFPP okay there it is (laughs) so yeah um, it, it really is taking care of yourself and like whenever a friend tells me oh I you know I asked I hooked up with someone and I asked them when their STI test was I'm like yes like you go like way to take care of yourself so I think that like all these little small things and like mindfulness and like all these like hot button issues new age stuff like it really does like have some like truth behind it in terms of like coming like you said it's a way to come back into your body
0: yeah and that's what we want we want that kind of allyship for people to for their own health overall with partners Kelsey how can people connect with you how can they find you um
1: you can find me on Instagram herpetic underscore goddess the second e and herpetic is a three um I am going to be doing a podcast called sex lies and stis um it's not ready yet or out yet but it will be about um about herpes obviously but also sex ed um, women's rights, reproductive rights, that kind of thing. So, if you are interested, check out my Instagram. Thank you so much for having me. All right. It and means I'm, the world well to me.
0: We'll, we'll link this in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here and not ghosting me like I think my date did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're going to sound better. <laughs> You're That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share this podcast as you see fit. Again, we're talking about mental health and sexual health here, interviewing experts and people with lived experiences dealing with the stigma of health overall. I am Courtney Brame on Venmo and Cash App. If you want to donate to the nonprofit, helping people get therapy um, and connect with me on social media. Till next time. Stay sex positive.